Hello, this is Gary, and you're listening to Timeline Astrology. Hello, and welcome back to Timeline Astrology Podcast. Today's a special edition of the podcast, as I have a guest. Her name is Marianne Jacuzzi. She's a Vedic astrologer and yoga teacher. Today's interview covers primarily the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in 2020, but Marianne has a, a depth of knowledge in Indian philosophy, yoga and meditation, so she brings that to uh, her practice of Jyotish Vedic astrology also. So we talk a lot about um, her background in yoga and how through yoga and the transcendence of the practice, um, she's been able to marry that with the journey through time and space, as she puts it, uh, with Vedic astrology helping her and guiding her beyond transcending this life, in fact, and being able to manage uh, life with more grace. And so managing life and the difficulties of life as, as shown by Saturn uh, with grace, as indicated by Jupiter, is the theme of this, um, this interview all about the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in December of 2020. So I hope you enjoy. Um, I began by asking Marianne to tell me a bit about how she tunes into the universe, the cosmos, uh, if she had any rituals or practices that she observes on a daily basis to help tune into the, the muse of Vedic astrology. Yeah, no, I think that's a wonderful question because there is a, so definitely something I do. And there definitely is the sense of me in me of when I can really tune into it and when um, it's just not appropriate for me to do it, you know, because mm. it really is, uh, it is a sadhana. It's a spiritual practice. That's what I see with, with Jyotish, with astrology. And I am always the most tuned in uh very first thing in the morning, I mean, really, really early, um, the Brahma Maharta time. Um, for years and years and years, I've had a really strong yoga practice that I did first thing in the morning. I still do a yoga practice in the morning, but just, you know, in the last few years, it really hasn't suited my body to jump into any strong asana straight off. Mm -hmm. I do, I, I sit with the Jyotish uh, before dawn. And so the first thing I do when I wake up is I go outside. I just go out, especially right now when it's dark, there's plenty of time to do this. Mm -hmm. I'll just stand and breathe, connect to the earth, connect to the sky, do a, like a little upper back bend after I've done a little bit of stretching. I've learned some very simple asana from Srivatsa Ramaswamy that really helps to ground and get the energy flowing through the body. And just feel the sky open up to it and 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 surrender to that um i'm not talking about a long time five ten minutes um mm. breathing and then i go make myself a cup of tea and i sit down with whatever chart that i'm going to be looking at and i sit quietly in the dark with just a little bit of candlelight and it's like a kind of meditation on the chart i'm not really um going into it too analytically i'm just looking at the configuration and letting it speak to me and meditating with it and then i put it down i do my yoga practice um asana pranayama sitting meditation with and then during that practice very often 
the the chart will keep coming back to me spontaneously you know i mean the 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 goal in the practice is to stay really focused on the breath and still in the moment but you know into the my mind comes something from the chart a kind of spontaneous um insight and then after my yoga practice i will make some coffee a little break breakfast and then i'll sit down with the chart with a lot more um sort of analysis putting to it and um work on it from there so that's how i would do a chart Mm. Um, and i find you know it, it, I need to be able to be just that deeply present with it. It's very hard for me to do it really late at night because I get tired. Mm. And uh, um, that sounds that sounds like really good uh, way of um, first of all, as you say, getting up early. But I, actually, while you were speaking, I was thinking about how uh, you know because you get your cup of tea. You know, it's yeah. a, a real Irish thing to do. I think as well is just get your cup of tea and sit down with like you know a lot of people just sit down with the morning paper, right? Or maybe that's something that used to happen. It's all like online now. But yeah. it's kind of like we're sitting down with our you know paper in a sense. We're looking at what's happening in the universe. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, because you know what's happening in the universe the configuration of the planet it's it, it it's a lens of consciousness our mind is a lens of consciousness and this extends it um you know to see things to see patterns to see connections beyond what um you know our ordinary senses bring to us it's a very i mean it's a very 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 powerful language you know, it's the language, the, the language of the heavens, the language of the divine. And I feel I mean, I feel so much humility before it and so much gratitude towards it for what what it has to teach and how vast it is. Um, I had a I had a spiritual teacher in India many years ago uh, who was um, Advaita Vedanta, very, very pure. Uh, but very, very contemporary at the same time. And someone asked him once the question if he believed in astrology. And I don't think it's something you believe in or not, really. Mm. But anyway, he said, yes, indeed, I do. It's astrologers I'm not always sure of. (laughs) And I think that was really, that was really brilliant. That was really telling because the truth is there. The truth is there, all of it, Mm. you know, but it's, it's, it's it's for us with you know i mean i see this this practice as a lifelong thing i'm always learning new and always um with that sense of humility that there's so much more to understand and then there's a mystery you know beyond which you know i think the human mind no matter how well um experienced and trained we are um because that's part of it, you know, it's the knowledge, it's the learning, it's the practice. But then there's there's the intuition, there's the gift. And, mm. you know, that comes to some, it might not come to everybody. Um, and then even beyond that, there's a mystery because, you know, the the mind of of the absolute, the mind of the divine is something that with our human, you know, capacity and our human eye, we can never totally grasp. Mm. And I, I love the way you talk there about intuition, because it's um, something I've been having conversations with people recently about. Um, and I also have heard from some astrologers that um, they don't believe that it should be intuitive, that it's 
well, they seem to think that it's um, scientific and it should be used as such. But of course, as you just mentioned, there's a whole depth um, to this. And you've, I, it sounds like just from speaking with you now and having read your articles, um, that you fully embody it, that you, um, you're you not just coming from an intellectual perspective, that you're opening, like you say, um, so many different dimensions within the Yeah, the no, I totally believe that. I, 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 I do believe it's a science too. Mm. And, and and there's a lot to study. There's a lot to understand. Um, but it goes beyond that. Right? Mm. It goes beyond that. And even 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 in science itself, you know, making the bigger connections between all that. Science has a way of fragmenting things mm. uh, and necessarily so in order to study things in depth. But seeing the, the interconnection of it all, that is um that is where the the intuition can open it up for instance okay mm -hmm. so this is this might be kind of hard to explain but mm -hmm. so say we understand totally if that's such a thing is possible you know mm -hmm. everything that's going on in a certain birth chart right well the birth right. chart there is a potential it's a portrait of the karma of the soul um but you know destiny is that birth chart, that 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 karma plus timing plus what is going to happen because as and and we can study the planets and all and see what is going to happen, but at the same time there's the dimension of that person encountering all the different people that they might encounter, all the different situations because you know the flow of time it's it it's a multi-dimensional web. And the kind of decision that somebody makes in a moment is dependent upon what comes before, you know, the, the lens of consciousness, what becomes before the mind, whatever, experience, mm -hmm. person, and all. And that's going to then become part of the conditioning that is going to be, um, be there um, to set up the possibility the conditions for what happens next and this is the kind of thing that when we start talking about the mundane astrology or what's going on you know in a community or in a bigger picture that it gets really really complicated because mm -hmm. there are all these different dimensions coming in and i don't even i don't know if a science can get to that yeah. And I, even though you said that was um, or was going to be a difficult thing to explain, I think you articulated really well. Um, so so it's, hard, it's hard to, um, you know, conceptualize in a way. Yeah. But thank mm. you. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And that's why I think why why I say I think that you fully embody it, you know, the practice, not just as an intellectual pursuit, that it's something I've, I feel from your writing and just speaking with you now that you're embodying um, and that's what I mean by that, I suppose, is that you're, there's so many more dimensions to it, as you mentioned. So, yeah. 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 Well, I think, I mean, people come to this practice from different kinds of backgrounds. And, mm -hmm. um, uh, and I, have a, I have a very uh, deep and long background in yoga um, and in, a, in a quite a, a classical traditional approach to yoga. Because my my yoga journey started with the meditation and philosophy 
and the the physical practice came after that. So it's quite different from what most people are mm. doing today. And would you say then, therefore, that uh, Jyotish Vedic astrology then was sort of a natural sort of a segue or it was just a deepening of your practice in yoga? Yeah, it was a little bit of both because you, one of the things that, you know, you asked me before was, uh, um, you know, did I fall in love with it first or how did I find out about it? Well, well, mm -hmm. I, I found out about it through through my study of yoga philosophy and kind of known about it for a long, long time before I ever started to really study it seriously. But, you know, it was a gradual process of, of, of just reading more and more and then being drawn into it. Um, but mind you, I've always, even since I was a child, I just have had this kind of awe for the sky. And I, I grew up in California where, um, you know, you spend a lot of time sleeping outside as a child. Mm. And, um, and unlike in Ireland, there's rarely any clouds. <laughs> yeah. So you can really see up in the mountains. It, it's just dazzling to look at the sky. And I can remember just, you know, just, just as a child, just taking in that quality and watching the, you know, the shooting stars and you know, the night and, 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 and seeing the movement to the heavens. And it just, it made a big impression on me when I was really, really young. But I suppose it was, it was through, you know, the reading that I, I did, I did a lot of study in, in yoga philosophy that I came to Jyotish and I was just I was drawn into it. And I really did love it because it, it, it kind of brought together. I do as much as it is a spiritual practice for me, the intellectual part of it is quite um, uh, um, quite a draw as well. I'm mm -hmm. used to before, you know, like my my background is in language and English literature of a master's in English. I used to teach literature at third level and also secondary level um and uh you know i did have a you know i i have a feel for the science too i i really do but in no way the technical side of it you know i mean um in terms of beyond um secondary i really didn't i just study a little tiny bit of things like physics and maths but I do have a good sense of that. But I feel that this, although it uses that, it uses that. And, you know, in some sense, you know, you know, you know they say that Sanskrit is is the language of the gods, but mathematics is really the language of the gods. In a, yes, in a way. yeah, because it's all it's all there in beautiful, beautiful patterns. Um, you know, and as I say, people come to Jyotish with different kinds of backgrounds and my background would be in interpretation you know in 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 drawing together i think there's a lot of back to the to the um you know the intuition part it's it's mm. synthesizing a lot of disparate um information qualities um as you know all of the grahas all of the planets all of the signs all of the houses can signify can indicate so many different things that seem very disconnected and very disparate which one is going to be indicated and manifested here and and that's what really comes to me when i'm looking at the chart really early in the morning because it's kind of like a kaleidoscope that just you know how that kind of moves mm. and the pattern shifts and then and then suddenly it's oh there's kind of like this aha moment it it all kinds of, of comes together 
um, because each one, you know, each one, it's like a snowflake. It's like a, um, each, you know, each human being, each person is a is a is like a beautiful snowflake that's unique and and complex, full of contradiction. Um, and that's where, um, you know, the study of Jyotish can be kind of frustrating for people that have a certain kind of scientific mind because it's not linear. Mm -hmm. it's it's not linear in that way having um a lot of contradiction you know as a Mm -hmm. part of it and i think uh well i think because that's my experience but um i just like to know if if this has been yours as well through uh practice of yoga and that it does open up those channels of you know that left right brain even looking at it that way very simply it opens up that kind of communication that doorway so that you can be quite scientific but also at the same time very intuitive yeah it mar- marries very well it does marry very well absolutely um i mean in just um talking about it all you know in, in a very kind of pragmatic and, and technical kind of way yoga practice um really stimulates the prawn in the body it it gets opens the channels and gets the energy moving on, you know, all different levels, but even on the most um, material and physical level, what it does to the flow of blood and the amount of oxygen, it's just, it's energizing, it's stimulating. And, and I do believe it goes into the brain cells and it, um, Mm. it opens up the channels. It opens up the channels of the intellect of the mind that, you know, the discerning, discriminating mercury part of the mind, but, um, you know, Mm. then the, 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 the deeper mind as well, the intuitive mind, Mm. um, from the so they go very well together and i also think in terms of um you know just right now yoga has become it's just exploded as you know in popularity uh i've watched the whole phenomena and just kind of it's mind-boggling what, what has happened um but you know as a matter of a fact you know the, the classical yoga um ashtanga yoga patanjali yoga you know yoga chittavritti niroga naroda yoga is about um um restricting the the images or the thoughts waves of the mind it's about a limitation it's about a um a transcending out of material reality you know and an understanding of samkhya uh, philosophy really makes that clear. I mean, there's no, this isn't the place to get into all that. But if 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 if, if people understood really what yoga in its in its in its fullness is about, they would say, I think that's not really what they're looking for. What they're mm-hmm. really looking for is 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 um is a relief of some kind of suffering in their own life. They're looking for peace. They're looking for harmony. They're looking for um, insight into the challenges that life brings. They're looking for a relief of stress and all of that. These are the side benefits of yoga practice, which uh, you know people are putting out to draw people into yoga practice. And all those benefits in terms of you know that what what yoga can do for physical as well as mental health are very true and wonderful but that's not really what yoga is about but jyotish you see jyotish it's like the 
it, what it, what I think it does is it it really validates our journey through time and space, because we're not just here to check out. We're not just here to, I, I, the, I mean the the ultimate dharma the, of every soul is 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 enlightenment is is realization. But the journey towards that is is long and circuitous, and it's the journey through time and space. It's what the chart. Um, gives insight to um, this life and the next life and the next life. And rather than seeing that as just something that we need to go through and the goal is to transcend, it's, it, it, it validates, you know, the, the beauty of that and the, the sacredness of that um, because that's what it, that's what it depicts. And it sees that what's happening, you know, in your life and my life and everyone's life is mirrored in this beautiful dance of the heavens and and we can look at that and we can we can see the correlation we can see the patterns and and it's it, it is the divine moving through time and space and, and i think that is i mean that's a very very beautiful thing to participate in and and for people to understand too i mean in terms of getting down to the particular of what a reading is for somebody is um, it's a gift of hope. It's a gift of seeing that whatever is happening, you know, in, in someone's life is, um, is divine grace, even if it might seem and feel very, very challenging because, you know, this is, this is the plane of duality and um, it, you know, there's no such thing as, you know, good planets and bad planets and good karma and bad mm. karma. It's 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 all that beautiful dance. And mm. seeing things in that light, I think, can be very um uh, reassuring, you know, can can give people what they're really looking for, which is peace and harmony in their life. Mm. That that is what well, that's first of all, that's very profound. Um and it just nicely leads me into the next segue because i really would like to bring up your article on jupiter and saturn because you really you've touched on that already by what you just explained there about you know living with grace and all our challenges and 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 finding that balance between these two planets which are coming into uh, alignment this year so it's it's a big one it's a big one and you've written very uh very uh, uh an amazing article i feel with again this depth of knowledge um, and a sense of coming at it from a lot of different angles, I would say. Uh, you give the sort of the technical sides of it, but also the more spiritual side of it as well, which you've just alluded to there. So can we just jump into that article? Yeah, perhaps? let's do that. Sure. Yeah, good. So, well, for anyone who hasn't read it, uh, obviously you can go to the website or check out the magazine Timeline Astrology. Um, but um, I would like to ask you just to start off just jumping straight into the actual conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn and and it being on the solstice, the winter solstice, 21st of December, 2020. And if you could just maybe speak about the significance of that alone. Okay. Yeah. Okay. About the winter solstice. Um, The solstices and the equinoxes are, you know, the four points in the, um, in the year that mark these turning points, you know, of the journey of light into darkness and of darkness into light. You know, it's the measurement of time. Um, 
you know, time is a measurement of light, which all of the different cycles of the year, the months, you know, the day, you know, the yugas um, are measuring. Okay. And interestingly, it's very interesting that Saturn is exalted in Libra and Libra, the sun goes into Libra shortly after the autumnal equinox, you know, so, you know, you can think of Saturn and the Saturn is the limit of light, you know, in in traditional um, Jyotish, which just looks at the nine planets, the the nodes plus the seven visible planets, Saturn is the limit of, of light. And so Saturn is the planet of darkness associated with, you know, the winter, with the end of the growing season, which Libra kind of commences there because you know it's october the light is diminishing we're moving into darkness and all of the 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 symbolism and significance of that it's a time of simplicity you know a time of simplicity in the earth when you know the plants lose their leaves they seem like they're dead but they're not because they're putting their energy into the earth it's it's about putting down roots it's about um storing up all of the abundance of summer, everything that came for the time of, you know, of fecundity and fertility, you know, when that Jupiterian light starts at the, at the, um, at the summer solstice, um, you know, to prepare. It's an inward time of introspection and, and solitude. Saturn favors that Saturn favors, um, um, meditation and with renunciation he's the ascetic he's 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 the old old man and winter is about that it's about you know that contraction and and going inward um and and i don't want to use these words about darkness and light in any kind of way that puts any value of one over the other because they are a complete duality of polarity of opposites and the one makes no sense without the other like all you know pairs of duality um but you know that is the that is the significance of saturn and the winter solstice is that point of um where the darkness is most complete and it's just about ready to turn with 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 the light growing you know i mean it's from our perspective on the earth which is geocentric it's you know the the sun is what uh, for us here in the northern hemisphere that is has reached its you know its lowest most southerly place and so our our days are are the shortest okay and so it's it's like saturn has come to his fruition you know and all of those those gifts of wisdom and understanding that comes from honoring the lessons of winter are there just about ready to turn um you know and you know in the indian calendar that's really celebrated when the sun moves into capricorn with um the makara sankranti which happens later you know around the middle of january a couple of weeks after the actual equinox i mean sorry the solstice the winter solstice but you know it's the same phenomenon and so there at that time of the winter solstice there is that conjunction with in Capricorn with Jupiter there too, you know, and Jupiter is that opposite energy because Jupiter is exalted in Cancer, you know, at the time of the height of light. So it's just the opposite of of um, of Saturn, um, a time of you know expansion and growth and um, 
optimism that comes with 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 you know the symbolism of spring and summer. Um, it's interesting, you know, that it that in you know even though Jupiter is debilitated in Capricorn and that's an extra challenge with you know the conjunction coming up being in Capricorn. He's also Nietzsche Banga, you know, because Saturn is there. And so there is this little bit of, um, you know, of, of reversal, of cancellation of, of Jupiter's weakness. Um, can, I, can I just pause one second there? Because yeah, just sure. for listeners who might not uh, fully understand that, I mean, you've, you've just explained it, but just to reiterate that basically when you have a planet in debilitation, in this case, Jupiter, and uh, a planet that rules that place of debilitation comes in, that's one way it can cancel out the debilitation. That's right. So, yeah. What I've noticed over the years is that actually what you end up getting is both the cancellation the, and the debilitation. Absolutely. A bit of both weakness and the strength. You get because it's never it's ne and there's different ways, of course, that it can be cancelled and it can be cancelled by in a number of different ways at the same time. But if it is debilitated, it's always going to be a little bit. There's always going to be both. And that word debilitated is a very negative sounding word in English. And it really I is. I mean, it just feels like you're flat on the floor. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> yeah. it's not a helpful thing to say. But if you say Nietzsche, that doesn't make any sense to people. So, mm. you know, just using the English word. But just to explain what that means, because a planet is debilitated means that it's in because the planet is an archetypal energy. OK, so Jupiter is an archetypal energy. And when it is in Capricorn and, and a sign, Capricorn is a medium. It means that, that being debilitated, it means that it's in a foreign medium, because when a planet is in its own sign, it's in a medium that's in harmony with it. And so its natural state can 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 magnify and grow, you know, just like if you're home, you're really comfortable and you can be yourself. But if you're in a very foreign environment that's very different, then he's going to operate in a different kind of way. You know, so that's really what it means. And kind of like picking up on what you were saying before about the two different kinds of things going on in my article, because there's really two different ways that you can approach this whole thing about Jyotish and the conjunction or somebody's individual chart anyway. Mm -hmm. So you can look at it in terms of, you know, the worldly way, you know, so like, you know, what's this conjunction going to mean for my personal life and what's going on, you know, with my job, with my family, with my relationships, with my plans or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. and we can look at it in the bigger picture. What does it mean for the, um, you know, the situation in the world? Because you can look at time with these, you know, 20 year cycles of the Jupiter Saturn conjunction and how is this going to affect the economy and politics and all of those things that are going on? So we can always look at it that way. And then we can look at, you know, the, the um, you know, the deeper kind of message that's always there, both for the individual and for the collective. And to see, you know, that the, this, the, the spiritual pattern that's coming through, you know, um, and mm -hmm. for the what um, what the potential is always because the the potential is there no matter what and in this one i think you know as much as it's going to be there's a lot of challenge that's coming and i don't want to 
you know, dismiss that that part of it. I think there's a potential for a lot of grace and it's an opportunity when when Jupiter becomes debilitated in Capricorn, his Jupiter is about, um, you know, higher knowledge, um, his energy directed towards, you know, towards justice, towards truth, towards things of um, like religion, philosophy, law, medicine, knowledge that has some kind of benevolent, um, because Jupiter is a benevolent um, force, the greatest light, you know, in the night sky, other than the sun and a bright moon. And Venus is sometimes brighter, but Jupiter is constantly bright. He's, he's guru. He's, you know, he's the, 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 um, the guru of the devas. And so, you know, a very, very great um, light. And so when he gets into Capricorn, and this is kind of what's going to be going on in the worldly way, you know, Capricorn is is earth, you know, and movable earth and a very, you know, it's a, it's pragmatic, it's serious, it's grounded, it's um, it's about moving things of earth around to find the place. And Saturn is really strong there. In in some ways, even though Saturn is exalted in Libra and strong in Aquarius, the other sign that he owns, you know, Saturn is also connected to Earth. He's he's a Shudra, which is a servant. He's a connected to metal and resources and lead and things heavy. And so, there's a way in which Saturn is just really at home in Capricorn, and you know. So this is kind of jumping ahead into something else in my article, but it's coming to my mm. mind right now. No, please go ahead. Yeah, yeah, which is about you know that this um, the fact that this conjunction is happening in Capricorn, which is Earth, and that we are in a period of Saturn-Jupiter conjunctions happening in Earth, and that you can look at history in terms of these larger cycles of which element the conjunction is happening in, you know, so, so it I, favors yeah. this earth. Yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I just love to uh, just chime in there just for a minute, because I want to uh, put another uh, question to you as you yeah. delve into that sort of longer cycle of the earth cycle, because just going back to what you said about the solstice and the conjunction yeah. at the solstice in your article, you mentioned how the conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter, or what you could call a planetary war, Graha Yuda, it's called, um, can actually define the whole conjunction in the whole sign. So that's one point I would like you to maybe uh, speak more on instead of, uh, you know, because we could look at it generally and say, you know, Jupiter in Capricorn and Saturn in Capricorn. But if it's also uh, this planetary war uh, at the solstice and then the longer term cycle and that it being in an Earth sign and how these are really the, I suppose, like really 200 years or thereabout cycles that we're looking at in terms of these conjunctions. And maybe if you could speak about that also. Okay, I'll talk about the the Grahayuda first, which is a planetary war. And what that means is that, um, you know, and that when when two planets are sharing the same degree, so they're really, really close. And obviously, in their exact conjunction, they're right spot on. Um, you know, there's the and and war, of course, is is a metaphor <laughs> that their energy is 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 conflicting, okay, because they're way way too close in that sense. And you know, the dictum for planetary war is um, 
it's confusing, I must say, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, different people say different things uh, about what uh, which planet is going to come out ahead, you know. And so I've looked at it from a lot of different angles, and I think that it's important to look at it at different angles and not just automatically say, you know, that the one is at the highest you know, or the lowest longitude or the one it's the highest latitude, but look at it from very different points of view. And Jupiter is the larger planet, so that's a criterion, and Jupiter is a brighter planet, and so that's a criterion that would say something for Jupiter winning the war. But Saturn has a broader um, sphere of influence because of the rings, okay? So Saturn is an actual, um, in terms of spatially, um, larger okay and because saturn is so powerful and um in his in his own sign um you know he's can, you know and and it's in earth and saturn is in earth and jupiter is foreign there it's really saturn that comes out ahead but having said that you know just taking the metaphor of what graha yuda means just like in any war, both sides are going to suffer a little bit, you know, because if if there's conflict, you're going to feel it, even if you come out ahead. And I mm-hmm. think that that's the same is true with the planets. And, and I think that's one of the things that there's both the fact that that the debilitation of Jupiter is somewhat reversed because of the um, the Nietzsche Bonga effect that we were talking about a minute ago, and because of just the nature of a Grahayuda. That even though you know I do believe that that Saturn does, you know, so to speak, win this war, that you know Jupiter isn't entirely annihilated because Saturn is also a little bit hurt by that presence of Jupiter's light so close. Mm-hmm. Um, and really what happens, just like any two planetary influences coming together, is the whole is greater than the parts, you know, and that's the real art of Vedic astrology. You know, you start with the science first, and the science is very important, but then the art is the synthesis and putting them together. And so the two of Jupiter and Saturn coming together that's what's really powerful, and that's what is I see that this conjunction, in some ways, is a, is is a real opportunity. You know, it's not going mm-hmm. to be it's Earth now, and we're dealing with Earth, but we want to think about looking at the big picture, Earth enlightened by the light that Jupiter has to infuse upon it. If that makes any sense. Well, it absolutely does uh, for me personally, because I have Jupiter in Capricorn from birth. Yeah. So, but also having, you know, over the years looked at this and, you know, taking all the signs into account, looking at all the rules, you know, and you still have to, you know, uh, be aware that, you know, there's so many rules. And then, as you say, you have to kind of just put them all together and see um, how does this actually play out? I've often seen actually, that when a planet is either exalted or debilitated, that because they're so often cancelled, it means yes. that, you know what I mean, you can have extremes on the one hand, um, 
Whereas when a planet is in its own sign, for example, it just operates really well, especially um, a root strength, Mulda Tricona. A lot of people yes. might be aware of that. So mm -hmm. like Jupiter at the moment in Sagittarius, especially the first 10 degrees. But Jupiter in Capricorn, even though it seems very weak, it's also looking at its opposite. I always think of it that way. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's wanting the opposite of that. It's wanting the magic of cancer and the connection. Yeah, because the they, there's always that going on. Exactly, because it's, you know, directly aspecting cancer, which means cancer is directly, you know, facing mm. it. And so that energy is there. And, uh, you know, in terms of an individual birth chart, like you say yourself, you have Jupiter and in, Ca in Capricorn. And, you know, I have known lots of people with Jupiter in Capricorn with, um, you know, amazing spiritual insight, um, which, you know, is not what if you're just, you know, doing, you know, looking at in a very kind of, you know, linear, superficial way of what Jupiter and Capricorn is supposed to um, indicate, you know, with because. The yeah, I mean, we both know that there is a lot more intricacy than just uh, Jupiter and Capricorn, for example, Absolutely. because if I was to tell you what degree it was at, it would give you more insight what into the actual division. What other planets are aspecting yeah. on, what's going on at the nakshatra level. There's so many other things. And oh, so I always say, you know, exalted does not necessarily mean good until a bit mm. debilitated does not necessarily mean bad. In fact, bad and good are not words we want to use at all. Because it's much, much more complex than that. Can, can I just give you an example of, because the fact that I do have Jupiter in Capricorn means that all of the people, most of the people in my class in school, say there yeah. were maybe 30, 40 people in class, would have had Jupiter in Capricorn the same age, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like you can really get a good picture of a larger group of people and how they experience that position. And it's it just varies widely. But I mean, there's some challenging stories within that class, you know, within my group, um, and also some um, amazing stories, you know, and so there's always like that kind of more intricate, uh, more detailed analysis. And so I wonder if you would maybe speak about that in terms of the actual division of Capricorn, because um, the division from six uh, degrees in particular to 11 degrees, um, and you know, the Pisces division also uh, within that, because that's actually where my Jupiter is placed. So on the surface of it, Jupiter and Capricorn seems to be uh, all there is. But when you bury a bit down further, it's actually Jupiter in the Piscean division. And this Pushkara, uh, Camilla Sutton, teaches a lot about this, uh, these particular um, placements in around the chart. When a planet, any planet, is in one of these um, Pushkara degrees, Mm -hmm. uh, it really it's really potent in that case, and it's actually a lot uh, more spiritual. So the fact Absolutely. of the matter is, is that it's both there, you know, all yeah. of it's there. That's right. That's really, really true, because, you know, just, you know, Jupiter and Capricorn or any planet in any particular sign is is such a such a gross level of looking at it. You know, you have to get down to the fine tuning. And, and that's kind of what I meant when I used that analogy of a kaleidoscope. Because you know how you turn a kaleidoscope and you just go a, a little tiny turn and the whole pattern of it changes, mm. you know, and everything. And so so this is what happens within the individual signs. And so if you, you know, have this Piscean kind of quality coming through in Capricorn, actually, it's, you know, it's it's a very, very beautiful gift because – 
you know, the, the fact that, you know, Jupiter you know, and what you said about everybody in your class, of course, and every everybody that's born in a certain period of time is going to have, you know, for one year, Jupiter stays in the same sign. A lot of people born in one year. And so they're all definitely not the same. It's all, you know, with so many other kinds of, you know, details in in place. But with the, those, um, you know, with those with those subtle, subtle changes um, that happen with the other things coming through, because the gift of, of Jupiter in Capricorn is that kind of, you know, that kind of um, that steadiness and groundedness. And so having that Piscean influence there, too, um, is really balancing it because, you know, Pisces is the, you know, consciousness open to the um to the ethereal, it's like you know, it's 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 um, diffusive water, which is like steam that has no center. You know, it opens the mind to the cosmos, which you know sounds like wonderful, which it is, <laughs> but it also can mean being mentally deranged, you know, and not being able to to you you need something to in life to 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 ground that and give it direction and give it steadiness you know so mm -hmm. that piscean quality coming through in that little um bit of of capricorn can be quite um you know can be quite a beautiful um feature you know in a, and in a perhaps maybe just bring it that's that's really nicely put and maybe just bringing that back out into the level of capricorn i guess Try, just trying to keep this conversation i suppose at a certain level so that we can apply it to as many yeah. listeners as possible yeah and then but right we want to talk about the the, the earth. larger cycle <laughs> yeah. earth cycles which is like really pulling it out like and looking at that i just want to as we pull it out i want to just mention as well that you know, everything I relate to everything you're saying about like that kaleidoscope, it's amazing uh, analogy, but also pulling it out to the Capricorn level, that it's also true that you can actually see, even though everyone's very different, of course, but in a group of people who all have Jupiter and Capricorn, that there are some general themes. And I'd just like to note that one of the themes that was very prominent in my class, amongst my class fellows, was this lack of uh, religion. That was the most interesting class we, that, you know, I would have taken because I could see the whole, you know, Jupiter and Capricorn is very much about being very pragmatic and real and scientific, you know, and there was no sort of mystery involved at all. There was no um, willingness even to open up to any sort of mystical realms or magic a lot of the time in my class, which I just found yes. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, just the way we're talking in the bigger picture about this Jupiter-Saturn conjunction every 10 years setting a certain quality to a period of time. So it is those the slow-moving planets, like where Saturn is, um, or where, because that's two and a half years that Saturn's going to be in a sign. Jupiter is for a year in a sign, so everybody that's in a certain class in school it's going to probably have Jupiter in the same sign. Most of them will, you know, because they're born in the same year. And so that definitely gives a sort of overall quality and overall quality. And what you said about, um, you know, not being religious, because in that that was one um, thing that you saw, because that Capricorn gives pragmatic thinking. It's down to earth. It's uh uh, and that's what makes it so, um, uh, um, I'm to say, adaptable and, 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 and so well applied to um, worldly success, you know, because worldly success requires um, 
you know, a certain kind of skepticism about, um, you know, everything that other than the most, you know, practical things in the world. And mm. so business skills, um, organizational skills, all of that are really uh, promoted by, um, G- by, by, by Jupiter and Saturn, you know, and if you have that, Plus, you have the the little, you know, the Piscean thing coming through. Then you have a combination of the two of them. Mm-hmm. But we can see, you know, see everything that happens. You know, like I I was born with Jupiter in Pisces, okay. and and that does not surprise me. Yes, but when I think of my, I've never really thought about. When if I think back about, you know, my school class, I can think about that too. You know, that there was. Mm-hmm. No, there's all everybody was really, really different, but there was a certain quality of 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 seeking, you know. Mm. Everybody was seeking something, you know, understanding of something something bigger with a lot of questions and and um interesting that you had that question. Yeah, 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 a lot of questions. We had questions, but more like skeptical questions. <laughs> Your questions were probably more about wanting to understand the mystery and depth of it all. Yeah, you would be you would be challenging questions, skeptical mm-hmm. questions. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm just interested in this kind of because this is well, Jupiter has yet to move into Capricorn, of course, uh, on March 30th it does so, and yeah. it moves in and out a lot for the next couple it of years. Does. It's it's so, it's quite a little journey back and forth. Can you can you talk about that longer cycle of the actual Earth bringing it back to that sort of pragmatic, practical business, big, you know business all of that and the impact that will have and is still having because obviously what you're uh, alluding to here is like what people are living day in day out you know this kind of predominance of business and lack of ethics and morals and religion you know where's that gone yeah yeah that's that's the big picture okay so yeah i'll talk about that now so you know just you know to to preface it all to say that you know within the big picture there's a lot of variation of individual experience because everybody's chart is different and path is different, but we're all caught up in the collective at the same time. And, uh, you know, the fact that we have had, um, you know, this movement in, historically in the 20th century into um, earth dominant periods, which means that the Saturn Jupiter conjunction is happening in earth. Okay, and when it does that, it it, it doesn't. It, there's a little kind of a period of time where it's alternating Earth and you know and fire that came before, and then the end of it, it's Earth and air. What's coming next? So, you know, the 20th century was a little bit of both. But um, you know, after 19, 1961 and 1981 were both um, Earth um, conjunctions of Jupiter Saturn. 2000 was a an anomaly, a little fire there. And this coming up here is Earth, but we're having right, you know, coming up in 2020. And then for 80 years after that, it's going to be all Earth. Okay. And so what we've seen happening is, you know, it, it it's that um, Saturn working through Earth. Okay. So um, the, the mining of resources, you know, and the acceleration of that, the development of that with um, a sense of, you know, and, and a lot of Saturn's, uh, what, what Saturn does is, is, is fear-based, okay? So with, with, a, with a sense of scarcity, there is um, 
you know, the the motive, you know, to, to, to develop and have more and create more and build more. And, you know, it, it, the whole economic system is kind of based on that, um, with, um, you know, with, with the earth dominant, it's, it's about, um, like Saturn movable earth is, is, is creating structures and creating hierarchies and what's happened and what's happening now big time is kind of the shift of power away really from, um, you know, from nations the way it has been in the past to corporations, you know, so the biggest power in the world today are the corporate structures, the, the multinational corporate structures that, that have the power to influence governments. You know? And it might seem that the governments have the power, but, but the corporate structures, the multinationals, um, and particularly the building up of technology, which has happened since the 1981 conjunction um, and the development that, you know, and having said that, when we talk about history and we talk about these cycles and the, the elements affecting history, it, it, it again, like everything in astrology, it depends upon Kala time and deeper place. And so it's going to build on what happened in the past. And so, you know, the earth dominant period we're going into right now is a lot different from the earth dominant period that we had before the 1400s, which is what had happened before because we were building on a different foundation. Okay. So we're building on the foundation, you know, of what happened during the fire time, you know, in the 19th century and a little bit before in the beginning of the 20th century with, um, uh, all of the events then but right now we are looking at i think you know and that's one reason why this this conjunction is so important we're really looking at a very very important turning point because just the way our we things have accelerated so fast you know the 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 building up of corporations and the the technologies that's behind it, and the the, the corporations that are technic corporations of technology, and you know their power, the centralization of power, and you know and all that that's been a phenomenon of the last part of the 20th century. We had a little bit of a fire um, interlude at the at you know with the with a conjunction in in 2000. You know, and it seems to me that what grew out of that was this kind of last hurrah of of nationalism and patriotism, this reaction that we're experiencing at the present time, because things sometimes once they get their momentum that comes earlier, we're experiencing a little bit later with, you know, these the far right movements that have come up and um, a kind of a reactionary trend Um which is going on, but this is going to shift um, with this, I believe, with this new conjunction that's coming up in short order. The energy there for, um, you know, the, the 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 larger structures, the corporate kind of structures, is going to continue because of movable Earth and Saturn. But what's really important, I think, historically, is that we realize what is really going on, which is our biggest challenge today, is is climate change and the effect of everything on the Earth. And Saturn is about Earth, um, you know, and Saturn would 
favor the continued use of fossil fuels, but Saturn is also pragmatic and progressive and sensible. And, and it's really about facing things that are Saturn lessons, like the lesson of limitation and simplicity and contraction. There's only so much, you know, and in terms of whatever the resources are, that's what Saturn teaches. Saturn is about saving. Saturn's like I was talking before about the, you know, the metaphor of winter and and storing up the grain that you've harvested in the summer because otherwise you're going to have nothing to eat in the winter. Mm-hmm. You know, that is a phenomena of Saturn. That's an insight of Saturn. Is is right husbandry, right care, and you know, and that's the part of Saturn that you know we need to um, open up to collectively. And maybe this is all a good thing. I don't know, because it's not the corporations that are going to do it themselves. It's governments. And we really need some very strong and radical changes in government policy to make changes to the structures that we live under so that we can reverse um, a lot of the damage that has been done, hopefully, and move forward in a more progressive way that's the opportunity i think for earth and then it's exciting mm-hmm. but there's it's not you know it depends on other things too it really depends um because you know the collective is made by um all of the parts of the individuals coming together mm-hmm. and it might it might take it might take some cataclysmic event you know to wake up consciousness on a global sense mm-hmm. I, it's interesting to note that as we're recording this, Saturn has just moved into Capricorn. So <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, today it's moved into Capricorn, and I note I noted on the news uh, today that they have just signed uh, Brexit in, so that it's now happening. So the yeah. one thing we can say about Capricorn is that it's a movable Earth sign, and things start to happen. Right. It's starting to happen. Yeah. And there was there was so much uncertainty about, you know, about Brexit and which way it was going to go. We've had it now, you know, for the last three years, um, you know, but the roots of breakfast, I always, I always make the mistake, call it breakfast, you know, because so <laughs> I have a really dear English friend. And he said, I just it were, wish it were some crunchy new breakfast cereal that we're <laughs> here instead of this Brexit. <laughs> well, I think it's just the beginning, really, isn't it now, Brexit? Because yeah, that, that's the thing. It's just been about the debate about Sagittarius and, you know, the opinions and all of that. And now it's happening. It's actually happening. They've signed on the dotted line. Yeah, it it, it is happening, but it's really just beginning mm. because there's 40 years of law that need to be undone and transformed and put into place. Um, and, and, and it's, you know, it's very timely. It's very, you know, that it's happening now in Capricorn, which is about, you know, moving earth, putting, creating structures, creating new structures. Uh, um, and, and, and let's just hope that it, it comes through, uh, we, you know, in Ireland are going to be affected by this quite, you know, profoundly, mm-hmm. um, much more so than other parts of of Europe. But um, we have hope. I think there's that hope. word, important word there, hope. And we have Jupiter there you know, with Saturn. Yeah. And opportunity and opportunity. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's I, I mean, I, I see it all. 
in the big picture, it's it's a positive thing for Ireland. Whether we like it or not, a global culture is is forming, you know, and whenever there's massive change, there's always resistance. You know, and Brexit is one form of resistance, um, you know, and the the um you know, the resistance to immigration and the changes that's happening in all the European countries is also part of that phenomena. But, you know, peoples are moving all over the place on this globe. The globe has become so much smaller with um, the technology that came out uh, since the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction in 81, with, and particularly these last 10 years with smartphones, um, and all of it is taking us into um, a uh, a new thing, a global culture. And, you know, it's all about change. And this is another thing that's about the lesson of Saturn, because it's it's it, the lesson of Saturn is impermanence and nothing ever stays the same. And our clinging to um, to the moments of joy or to the you know, you know, to the ideals that we had in the past or the way things used to be, you know, you can have a kind of nostalgia about it, but knowing that, you know, that, 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 that impermanence, ephemerality is the nature of all manifest things, you know, including, you know, nations and cultures, um, they, 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 they're finite and, uh, and, and and Saturn's you know Saturn's great lesson is um, is the lesson that 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 nothing lasts. It's all transitory. And if we resist that lesson, you know the power of Saturn. You know because it's it's such a um, Saturn is a beautiful planet, a beautiful planet. But its lessons can sometimes be harsh. If you resist the lessons. You know, the Saturn has a power to bring great loss, limitation, and suffering, but taking on board in a deep, deep way, you know, the the the, the truth of of that. Um, you know, Saturn is is about lifting the veil of a vidya, which is spiritual ignorance, and uh, and so. I mean, I can do. I mean, personally, I I can have a lot of nostalgia about things in the past, and you know, I just. Um, at, but at the same time, I can be excited about all of the new things that are developing, too. But one thing, back to what I was saying there about, um, you know, the, 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 the political boundaries, I think that's shifting, too. I think that's shifting in a going to shift in a big way, because mm-hmm. um, if you look at if, if you look at the way these periods have gone over time or just looking at history, um, you know, Smaller political um, entities become larger political entities, and it is just the way things evolve. Mm. Yeah, I think um, that's probably a, a good a time as any to uh, wrap it up about Saturn because it's you've, you've given us a profound sense of really what we need to take on board. I think this year um, and taking on its more spiritual. Uh, connotations as well because it's not all about the economy even though that is certainly one thing that will I think be very up and down and yeah more down than up by the end of the year who knows but we have to we have to gravitate towards that spirituality I think um, of what you know Saturn's all about and it's not all 
as many astrologers are pointing out, it's not all doom and gloom. And if we can orientate to that third way that you mentioned earlier, you know, not just the individual or collective, but beyond all of that, the spiritual, I think it'll help us through it, I think. Right, exactly, exactly. Because I do think, you know, that we're looking to some, you know, economic challenge in the um, in the year ahead, you know, and and then the repercussions of that. But uh, it's it's definitely not all doom and gloom because that changes too. You know that there will be times of prosperity to come. Um, I think something just to, just to close about you know Saturn. Because what Saturn teaches, and this is something that you can apply to, um, you know, to all aspects of life, you know, spiritually, economically, whatever, you know, um, the, 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 the strength, that, and this is the lesson that Saturn gives about strength. Our strength is not what we can do. It is what we can do without. Mm. And that is really what Saturn is about. Love and it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with that, you know, it's 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 the way that Gandhi um, freed India. You know, Indian independence happened through Gandhi's uh, nonviolence and becoming personally so non-attached to everything. You know, he couldn't be bought by the British because. He needed nothing. He wanted nothing. He clung to nothing. He had nothing personal invested. He was simple. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that was his strength, you know, because he could do without everything personally. And that is, you know, that is a strength that that Saturn gives. Um, and so, you know, so I think, you know, the challenge in living as, as with yoga, Jyotish, whatever, you know, with one foot in the material world in reality because we are going through and living our lives and there's purpose there but the other foot you know towards the ultimate because that's where we're headed you know in terms of um ultimate reality i love it love it thank you so much marianne this has been this has been uh, an amazing conversation i'm just sitting here just sitting back listening to you i could listen to you all day ah it's been uh, but we have to, to talk we have, to you gary really great I mean, yeah it's been great but i want to do this thing and this is something i want to do with anyone i have on the podcast and yeah. maybe just finish up with a few quick uh, fire round questions if you could okay. answer them maybe just i know this is not always easy to answer in like in a, in a sentence or two but if you could uh, give it a give it a ago okay. so just a few what do you envision for the future of jyotish vedic astrology okay i think it's you know it's it's going to be more known in the west because that's the direction it's been going it has you know it has so much to to offer um people in terms of the guidance and insight and the support they need um people are searching um for answers and you know it has so much there um you know just a few decades ago hardly anybody in the west had ever heard of it before western astrology is is pretty well known um but you know for most people even still today western as well as vedic astrology is misunderstood and marginalized and distorted but I see what's, what's, what's happened in the States is that because it was there that, you know, some um, 
you know, Joe Tishy's Westerners were interested in it and brought some Indian Joe Tishy's over and it really came into the West, I think, in a bigger way there first. And nobody had heard of it there either. But now it's, it's more well known. So so say, you know, somebody says, well, you, you practice astrology. They might say, oh, do you do, uh, you know, Vedic or Western? Yeah, yeah. Instead of just like never having heard of it before. So I think it's going to be better known and understood because it's, um, it, you know, it's it, it, it's a beautiful um it's it's a beautiful insight into the mysteries that can help enlighten and enhance our journey. Mm, nice one. So next question. What role do you see technology playing in that future? I'm, I'm thinking it's like yeah. algorithms and, you know, computers yeah. maybe even doing a better job than astrologers. You know, who knows? Yeah, this is it. So like it exactly I, mean, I i can i can operate my computer but i don't understand how it works on the inside okay so mm -hmm. um uh, you know it's it's it, but the what the computer has done has is really you know transformed the practice of astrology because you don't have to draw up a chart anymore because the computer can do it so accurately in just a few clicks. So that's amazing. And even, you know, very traditional Indian astrologers that were reluctant to and and resisting the computers when they first came in, that like for about six months after they all said, okay, this is much better. Realized <laughs> that, And I think just like anything else in technology, that it will get more advanced and more precise and um, more accurate in, in what it can do. And so I think that's, you know, that's a good thing, but I still do not see how even how sophisticated it could get that it could really do a reading because of what I said before, because the synthesis is not linear mm -hmm. and intuition is an important addition to the science. And that is that is a leap mm -hmm. that I don't know, you know, And but again, we're talking about things like, you know, the, the whole development of artificial intelligence and, and what mm -hmm. that might mean. And um, if, if it is actually possible that we can design machines that are capable of doing all of the complex kind of intuitive, um, you know, mm. things of the human mind. I don't know, because, you know, the most, you know, the most subtle in term, you know, understanding mind, you know, mind in terms of the Samkhya understanding of it um, in, in yoga philosophy you know, the higher mind is the Buddha, and the Buddha is 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 even more transcendent than the sense of individuality. It's kind of like universal consciousness. It's the closest to the transcendent um, of any prakriti or any material reality, any primal energy. Um, you know, you know, before it forms that agenda of individuality, which we call the ego, the me sense, the I sense, you know. So it's that part, you know, in, in terms of looking at it in terms of psychology instead of cosmology in, in, you know, in the human mind. It's that part of the mind that's not really integrated into the sense of me. It, it's that part of the mind that's connected to the transcendent, to the, you know, 
to whatever you want to call it, the Atman, the in Vedanta, the, the Purusha, and Samkhya, whatever this terminology, to that ultimate. If a computer can be designed to have that capacity, it just boggles my mind. I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I don't see it. But I'm not a scientist. <laughs> and if it does happen i don't know what we're doing here <laughs> question gary i don't know another question what are we doing here okay next great next question what would you be if you weren't an astrologer well i haven't been an astrologer all my life um but i've i'd i've always been interested in learning and understanding you know with all the things and everything i've ever done in my life i've always become a teacher Okay, I think that what I do is I teach because I love to I love to connect to people. I love to share knowledge and I love to keep learning and growing and I love to help people. So I've I've done you know, I I was um, uh, spent a lot of time with Buddhist psychology training in that and. I, I love working with people on a one-on-one basis. And, you know, being an astrologer puts together all these things because there's a teaching dimension to it. There's a therapeutic dimension to it. Um, there's the yogic um, spiritual dimension to it. There's the intellectual. So it puts it all together. But, you know, in the past, I taught literature. I've taught dance. I teach yoga philosophy. So I've always taught something. Um I think I'd be a writer if I didn't teach. I love to write, too, you know, mm. so I would just continue writing. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I just always do what I do. <laughs> mm. And you do it so well. So oh, keep doing you. it. Keep doing yeah. it. What, yeah. uh, another question. Another couple of questions, actually. Um, how were you first introduced to astrology, actually? And was it love at first sight? Yeah, it was love at first sight, but it was through reading. OK, it was through reading that I first was seeing yeah, there's so much to this. You know, I had I, I I don't really know much about Western astrology, but I had started to study it a little bit on my own when I was probably about 18, 19, you know, and uh, I went to a Western astrologer in San Francisco when I was about that age, about 18 or 19, and I had a reading and it was very profound. And actually what he said about, you know, the predictions about my life have been pretty spot on because I remember it it really well. And so, you know, I had that at the back of my mind, but then, you know, I went even, you know, at that time I was going deeper into, um, Eastern philosophy into meditation and, um, then yoga. And, um, then I found the astrology there too, you know? And so it was when I, and then I started to study it seriously I knew I wanted to study it seriously, but reading books was actually, you know, books on astrology. I found it was kind of a difficult, and even though I love reading and I've always learned everything from reading, um, it was when I found my teacher was Dennis Flaherty that I mentored with him. Mm. And I just, I just loved working with him because he brought it all to life. You know, he gave it to, it was like breathing life into what has, was, uh, was kind of dry in, in a sense from some of the books that I had read. And then afterwards I could go to the books with the life that he had, you know, breathed into it and, and see them from a whole new perspective. So mm, nice. never look back from that. Great. So just one last question then, Marianne, um, where can people find you and uh, your work? 
Well, I have a website, which is sevenwindsyoga.com. And um, that's all spelled out, by the way, the word um, S-E-V-E-N, sevenwindsyoga.com. It's my website. And I am I'm in Dublin a lot, but um, less. I mean, I've been based in Dublin now since 1991. But recently, the last few years, I have been living mostly in Sardinia. So I'm in Sardinia a lot. Um, but I'm totally, totally, um, you know, reachable wherever I am because I can always, you know, there's my email. You can on my website. It's uh, um, sevenwindsyoga at gmail.com. People can always write me an email. I do readings by by Skype or Zoom if I'm away, you know, and readings mm-hmm. if I'm in Dublin, I can do them in person. But actually, I find they're great over the, the technology. You know, this is mm-hmm. one of the gifts that we have. We can do it anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so that's really beautiful. Um I'm I'm running a, a year's course if if anybody wants to work with me that involves both yoga and jyotish it's for people that have a good background in yoga because um I don't teach the yoga I support the yoga we do deep practice together um and it's to introduce um the basics of jyotish so it's a year's course that involves practice and study really small group and it ends with a um a residential in Sardinia um, by the beach, um, by the mm. sea. So Sounds if anybody's good. interested, they can go to my website and read about it there. Great. And that's sevenwindsyoga.com. That's sevenwindsyoga.com. That's right. Great. Well, Marion, I've really enjoyed speaking with you today, and I've really enjoyed listening to you speak. Um, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your wisdom. Thank you so much, Gary. It's really been a pleasure to, to talk to to you and you had fabulous questions it's really interesting you know we've communicated back and forth um you know with emails and things but it's it's lovely to talk to you and i really um and meet you finally i think you're doing fabulous work i'm so impressed with your technical skill and putting this magazine and all these things together it's it's really beautiful and the fact that you know that um people are going to know more about vedic astrology and understand the gift that it is is happening through the kind of work that you're doing so you know i think it's beautiful i really appreciate that and thank you i appreciate that too thank you marianne and maybe we'll connect again sometime in I this hope way so. yeah okay thank you gary thank you okay bye Thank you again for listening to the podcast. You can read more about the topics we brought up in this interview on TimelineAstrology.com as well as Marianne Jacuzzi's website, sevenwindsyoga.com. Until next time.